Well, good morning again. Welcome. Uh, if you're a guest here this morning, we're so glad that you're with us. We just have uh, a great morning planned uh, as we dig into our Together We Believe series. And the question I want to start off with here is this. Have you ever been lonely? Have you ever experienced loneliness? I mean, it's interesting. We're so connected in this world today, uh, and yet I think it's still so easy to be lonely. I've found myself in that place at times, and it can be a dangerous or even difficult place if we are in there for a prolonged period of time. If we stay there and don't have the means or are unable to find a way out, it can be a very difficult time. See, what's interesting is um, being physically alone is very different than loneliness. You can be physically alone and yet very connected in to your community, connected in with others around you. We actually saw uh, Jesus modeled this many times. He would retreat away. A lot of times before major decisions he was going to make, he would retreat away to be alone with the Father. And so the act of being physically alone it isn't the bad part. Because honestly, you can be surrounded by people and yet feel more lonely than you ever have in your life before. The good news is, if you've ever felt this way, there is a vibrant community that God has established, and you're in the right place now because it's this thing called the church. And when we are living it out in the way that God has called us to, which we don't always do that, we get it wrong at times, and there's grace and there's forgiveness, and we can offer that to each other, and that's part of this beautiful, messy thing called the church. But when we understand what it's meant to be and what it's meant to look like, one of the things that comes from that is this place where we can be known by others and we can know others. A place that overcomes loneliness. So I believe Satan would want us to feel lonely and isolated and alone and as if there's no one else uh, who cares about us or who's thinking about us or has any interest in what's going on in our lives. And I think just the opposite is true as things often are when it comes to Satan. Uh, God wants you to be known by him and by others and wants you to, to know him and know others. And so it's one of the things that happens in this beautiful thing called the church. It's this tool through which God uh, has been and continues to change the world. And it's got some good news here for us this morning. But as we dig into our series, the study of the Apostles' Creed, we, we got to hit them again. I, I don't think Joel, our guest speaker from last week, tackled them. And so I'm excited to get back to these. Our, our three clarifiers we begin every week with on this series. Why study the Apostles' Creed? We are a church that's committed to, to teaching the Word of God, and so why would we teach something uh, aside from that? Uh, but honestly, we, we see that it, it's, um, it's drawing us back to the Word of God. One of the things we said is it's a tool that teaches. It's a tool that teaches. The Apostles' Creed is a collection of the, the, the teachings of the early apostles, and their teachings were what? It was what Jesus had taught them. They were passing on what Jesus had taught them to others. And so as we look at the roots of, of the Apostles' Creed, we see that, okay, this is what Jesus taught. And we put the Word of God above the Apostles' Creed. We saw that on the week talking about Jesus descended into hell. When we compare that against Scripture, we see that there's really no scriptural evidence that supports this, this statement that Jesus descended into hell. We kind of unpacked that a little bit. If you missed that week and you want to go back to it, or any week for that matter, you can always go on meadowlandchurch.org. Uh, it's actually got, if you've been there before, it's got a new look. We just revamped it. Uh, all the sermons are up to date. You can go check out uh, any from this series that you may have missed there. You can also always go on to the Meadowland app or Google Play or iTunes. We got them there for you as well. But we see this is simply a, it's a tool for teaching the Word of God. And so we continue to come back to God's Word. Actually, the way the Apostles' Creed, one of the ways it was 
initially used was this statement of faith for a new believer, someone uh, who, who, who trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's, okay, what, what do I do now? What, what, teach me more about this. And so they would teach the Apostles' Creed. They would have a, a good foundation for the Word of God. It's this creed that connects. It reminds us that we're part of this bigger picture. We're united by shared experiences. Have you ever met someone from your hometown who went you know, to the same college as you or who was tied into the same organization or affiliate, you know, has a similar affiliation, even if it's in different states? When you have those moments, you instantly feel this connection, right? My college roommate just by luck of drive, we found out that we were actually uh, both from Minnesota and actually both born in the same hospital. Probably months apart from each other. And again, silly thing, doesn't, didn't change anything. It wasn't like our moms ran into each other or were friends or anything and were reuniting, you know, the second generation of friends. It's just, hey, we're born in the same hospital. But for some weird way, that just united us. It connected us. Like, hey, that's kind of cool. We share this common bond. But we have these things that, that these shared experiences it unites us. We celebrate what unites us. It draws us together in unity. It's kind of like that, just, I think we can all relate to this image. It's that lonely bear fan who sees the orange and blue in the sea of green and gold, right? You see that, and all of a sudden there's this joy, just this encouragement. You're not alone, and you continue in your long suffering. But it's this creed that connects us. And so as we join together in these statements of faith, we're united with one another. We're connected with one another. It's also, it serves to reaffirm our foundation. That's our third clarifier. It reaffirms our foundation. You ever had to go somewhere that you didn't know where you were going, but someone else knew where they were going, and they give you directions? No, no, they give you directions. In this day and age, I don't know if you're like me, I don't want directions. I want an address or GPS coordinates, one or the other. I'll put it in my phone, I'll put it in my GPS, I'll do something like that, and I'll find my way. I don't want directions. Because this is what happens, is this, okay, first you take a left, and then you go down to this landmark that I've never seen before, but I have to remember that now. And then you take a right, and then you go, not, not the first stop sign, but the second stop sign, then you take another right. And I'm, I'm trying to just remember the order of the turns and all the landmarks, and this, this is the one that just kicks, that just this gets me every time. Uh, I actually had this happen this weekend when we were out of town up in Minnesota, um, they name roads more than once. And so you have the local name, you have the county name, you have the state name, and then you have some sign that some local put up. So, nope, this is going to be Jack's Road. And that's, that's the name everyone uses who's local, but, you know, you can't see the sign because it fell over because Jack made it. But whatever. I, I just want an address. Tell me where I'm going. Now, granted, you know, where we were, cell reception was a little spotty, and so you, you need to know the directions in case you lose all this technology, which never happens, by the way. Um, if you lose that, but see, it, it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget. I had this list of directions, and we'd pull out, we'd be on our way. There's only a few turns, but I, I get through the first two, and all of a sudden I start second-guessing myself. And when we're on journeys together, we, it, it's so easy to forget. And yeah, I know I could have written it down, but I'm a man and I'm dumb. So um, I, we, we, we forget easily, right? We forget easily. I think that's a good picture on life. As we're going through our lives, it's easy to forget. We have these foundations. We know where we're going, but also we forget the way. We forget the directions. And so to have something that can help reaffirm us, like a GPS or like you know, a, a point that says, here's turn by turn the way to go, it's helpful. helps reaffirm us. helps remind us. helps us to readjust and recalculate for those who have uh, going on with the GPS analogy here. But it helps to keep us going in the right direction. And so when life gets difficult and when we get distracted, things like these Apostles' Creed and other ones like it, 
point us back to God's word that reaffirms our foundation. So last week, we talked about, I believe in the Holy Spirit. We had a good friend, Joel Honiger, was out. I gotta, I gotta pick on Joel a little bit because he picks on me. And, uh, you know, it's always fun. Uh, it's always in love. It's in love. But, uh, you know, if you've been to Meadowland before, you know, I probably average around the 40 minute mark on a sermon. And um, some would say that's too much, and uh, others would say that's too much. But that's okay. Uh, but it's just what comes out, you know, you get 40 minutes. So Joel's like, hey, you know, 30 minutes is my top. So I only do about 30 minutes, and that's just me. So we kind of plan accordingly. And, and I, I got to pick on him. I don't know if he is going to listen to this online, but uh, he went 42 minutes last week. So uh, 12 minutes extra. I, I, I see it as a good thing at 12 minutes extra. But he spoke on, I believe, in the, the Holy Spirit. And kind of two big things that he, he wanted you to walk away with was living a life in the Spirit of God means living in the power of the Holy Spirit and living in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit, living in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. If you miss that, I would encourage you uh, to go back and give a listen to it. I, I was personally challenged by the significance that we can make in our words to other people when we are living in that kind of freedom, that kind of power. The ways that we can uh, encourage and inspire and, and, and do a work in someone's life through simple words like, can I pray for you? Uh, this week we're going to continue on, and we're going to get to the next two statements here in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, so I believe in the Holy Spirit, and that goes the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. We're in the midst of a list here. We're going to just tackle these two here this morning. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. These two statements, I, I would imagine, are fairly easy to get on board with. There's nothing too complex here. Once we remind ourselves, for those that were like me when I was uh, growing up in the Lutheran Church, and I really wondered why we said, I believe in the Catholic Church, if we're sitting here in a Lutheran Church, why do we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, when we're sitting in a non-denominational church here at Meadowland? Uh, it's because we mean Catholic little c, not Catholic capital C, which would be the descriptor of the Catholic Church. We're saying Catholic universal. So in essence, you could say, I believe in the holy universal church, the church beyond just our local expression here. I believe in the church all time, all place, all people gathered together. That's the statement. So we, we unpack that. Also, we unpack the fact that communion isn't, isn't referring to taking communion. We come together at the Lord's Supper and we, we celebrate with the, the bread and the cup uh, with this reminder that there's forgiveness of sin uh, in the blood and body of Jesus, and the fact that he allowed his body to be broken, his blood to be shed uh, for forgiveness of sin. This is about a different kind of communion. This is a, a shared experience. So the, 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 this, what the saints, those who follow Jesus, have in common, so that's what we're talking about. I believe in the universal church, and I believe in the unity of followers of Jesus. When we unpack those little things, I think it's a pretty straightforward statement. It's probably not one that's very difficult to get behind, but really what I want us to look at here is, you could say, do I agree with this statement or do I truly believe this statement? Do, do I agree with it or do I truly believe it? If you think back to week one, we talked about how belief matters. What we believe matters because belief moves us, right? If you believe you're going in an erection that's going to cause pain and hardship, you're going to turn and go a different direction, Right? Go back to when I, when I was on the road. You know, if, if I thought I was going the wrong way, if I wasn't sure what the right way was, I, I was going to do something. Stop and ask for directions or, or try to get a cell phone in the call and say, hey, was it a two lefts and a right or two rights and a left? You know, try to figure it out. Because when we believe something, it moves us to do something about it. But we can agree with something and do nothing. You know, I, I can walk in my house and gather my kids around and we stand before the family room and I could say, do you guys agree with me that this mess of all your toys on the floor should be cleaned up? Oh, yeah, Dad, we agree. 
We agree. Do you believe you should take responsibility to do it and do something about it? I, I'm, they're not all there yet. We're growing. We're growing together. You can see something say, I agree, someone should do something about that. But that's very different than I believe. I'm, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make sure it gets done by forcing my kids to do it because it's their toys anyway. But so that's the question I want us to ask. Do we truly believe in the universal church? Do we truly believe in the unity of, of followers of Jesus? And if we do, what does that look like? And I acknowledge some of us here maybe are just kind of exploring what the church is and, and who Jesus is, and, and we're not followers of Jesus, and that's okay. If, if that's you here this morning, we're so glad you're here. You're welcome in this place. It's a safe place to ask questions. Uh, if you ask a, a tough question to someone, uh, they're not going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you asked that. It might be kind of a, hey, I've been there. I asked those same questions. Or maybe it's kind of a, hey, that's a great question. I kind of want to know the answer myself. Let's go find someone who can help figure that out, or they maybe can help you with, 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 a, with an answer to that. But it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to uh, be on a journey. We're all on a journey together, and we want to walk together on that road. But my heart in this, this morning is that you would get a, a picture of this, this community of believers that God has established called the church and the task that he's put before us of sharing the good news of Jesus. If you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As you turn there, I want you to think about different parts of the human body. We're not getting too far into anatomy lesson here, but just think about different parts. You know, even like what you're using right now, your fingers that are turning the pages, the hands that they're connected to that allow you to do all that, the arms and shoulders, and just kind of go throughout. You can think about the different body parts. Uh, you know, with, with little ones, you always try to teach some of the basics at every chance you can. You know, it's, hey, if you want a treat, okay, let's count them out. One, two, three, you know. And then they, they, they want to show they can count to 100, and then that doesn't work anymore. But Whenever it was bath time with my little ones, uh, when it was time to kind of get scrubbed up with, you know, with soap or whatever, I'd say, okay, let's wash your fingers, let's wash your hands, let's wash your arms, let's wash your shoulders, and wash your, we would go through all the body parts, name it as we would go. Just get, the, get that thought in your mind about the, just the different parts that make up one body, okay? And I want you to think about your favorite hobby, your favorite activity, your favorite thing to do physically. So if it's go watch a movie, let's think of another one. Something that you have to move and, and use your body a, a little more to engage. If it is go see a movie, that's okay. Nothing against that. It just doesn't fit the example. We can go catch a movie later. Um, so think about the body parts. Think about your favorite activity, something you like to do, something you just love doing. And I want you to imagine what if you start to remove some of those body parts? How would having no fingers, or just take one or two fingers away, affect that? How would having no foot or no knee, maybe have your leg, you just have no knee, just it's a straight leg. But just kind of, and get, get silly with it and take out different things. How well could you do your favorite activity with no head? Okay, you know, I don't know, whatever. But, but take out different parts and just imagine how much this just be, either become much more difficult or doesn't work at all. And as you have that imagery in your mind, I just want you to listen. You can follow along if you want, but just... Listen to, oh, you can't follow along on the screen, but you can follow along in Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be beginning in verse 12. I'm going to read through most of it here. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. 
If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in, in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor uh, again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. We're going to jump to second half of verse 24 if you're following along. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but, the me- but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. One member is honored, all rejoice together. Have you ever stubbed your toe, and all of a sudden you, your hands start clapping and celebrating the fact that your toes hurt? No, no. Usually your, your mouth gets on board, and, and there's a few other things that come out and come along with that, because when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. When one part of the body rejoices, the whole body rejoices. Throughout the New Testament, we see this imagery of the church as, as many members but one body. And so as we have that imagery in our mind, and as we read from 1 Corinthians 12, this is a picture of the church. That would be many members joined together as one body. Each part is equipped and positioned to play a different role, but all are needed. You know, God, God has revealed himself in many ways over time. We can see, you know, the scripture that supports that, we can see God in creation. As we look at the world that's been created and the, the order and the design that's put into it, we can see God in that. Even if there's still mystery and questions that come up, uh, we can still see God's handiwork involved in creation. Uh, God has made himself known through the law. Uh, through the Old Testament, through the first five books we be known as the Torah, and we see the law of God. And it's, he spoke to us through the prophets, through his people, Israel, all these different ways that God has spoke to us. And, and then uh, through Jesus, his son, he sent his son Jesus. Uh, and before Jesus ascended, he, he, he gave up his life as, as a payment for sin, died, was buried. On the third day, he rose again. And he, he, about 40 days what was appearing to many others, this risen Jesus, Jesus was appearing to others. And before he ascended, he charged his disciples to do a couple of things. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to teach them what I've taught you. And he said, hey, but don't go yet. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you. We see this, this act that, that, that begins where now those who are in Jesus, those who trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, the Spirit of God is poured out upon us. And prior to this moment, this was the exception, not the rule. And Jesus flipped that over and said, now this is the rule. All who are in me will have the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying. And so now he's, he's speaking in a new way. He basically establishes the church. This ecclesia is, is a Greek, it translates to it's a, it's assembly. This assembly, this gathering of believers that come together. Jesus has started, and they have this new revelation of God to all people. Other scriptures call us ambassadors, or they call us to be witnesses in the book of Acts. And just to testify to what God has done uh, in our lives and how our lives are changed because of the work of God. And so we see how God has revealed himself. We know that we are in a day where he's revealing himself through his church. 
We can still look back at his word and we can, you know, that it reveals who God is and, and his importance and his significance in that. We can see that he's revealing himself now to people through the church. So when we say that I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we're saying that we believe in Jesus' establishment of his disciples, his followers as the church, that all who come uh, and be his disciple after are part of the church as well and tasked with this job to go and make disciples. And see, what's interesting, this is regardless of denominational differences, this is regardless of practical differences. Oh, that church over there, they sing songs this way, and well, they don't sing songs at all, or they sing songs that way. I was just talking to a friend who shared an experience about, they visited their grandmother's church, and after leaving, she's like, man, I loved it. It was an hour and a half service, and they had a shorter message, and it was all this extra music, and I loved it because I connect with God through song so well. And then she shared, and my dad, on the other hand, he just wants to learn more. He just wants to be taught more. He wants more message, and he really doesn't connect with the music. And so he was like, are we done yet? You know. And so there's different ways in which we can gather together, and that's okay. That's okay. But beyond our denominational or practical differences, we're united as one, as God makes himself known through his bride called the church. And that's what we're saying. We say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the Holy Universal Church, that God is speaking through his bride, the church. When we say the communion of saints, it's this act of sharing uh, all that we have together as followers of Jesus. You really stop and think about all that we share, and it's pretty amazing. As followers of Jesus, all who are followers of Jesus, both now, past, future, Different locations. Each one of us is forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Each one of us is made sons and daughters of God. Each one of us is filled with the Spirit of God, equipped with with gifts to do ministry as God leads us. We're empowered by the Spirit of God. We're part of the body as the local church. We become a part of His bride. We're granted righteousness. That one just blows my mind every time I think about it. Here we are, messed up, in sin. We trust in Jesus. All of a sudden, boom, righteousness. And yes, it's an ongoing process. We continue to take off the old and put on this new identity in Jesus of righteousness. But the fact that we all share that as believers in Christ is beautiful and amazing. We all share an inheritance in eternity. I mean, just continue to think about all that unites us. It's just pretty amazing. Amazing picture. When we say that I believe in the communion of the saints, we're saying while we are one body as a local church here, we're also one as a communion of saints. All who have come before, all who will come after us. I want you to think of yourself in a race. Maybe you're a runner, and that's an easy thing. Maybe you're not, and you're like, "Uh, I've never been there before. I can relate. I'm I'm not a big runner myself, but... I think we've seen enough. Imagine yourself in a relay race, specifically. And in the bleachers are your family and friends and loved ones, those who just want to see you succeed, who are cheering you on. Uh, Your team is on the sidelines. They're cheering you on, and you're in this race, right? What does that do, having everyone there around you? What an encouragement that is, right? Now, think about a different picture. Take everyone away, and you're just standing there on a track with a baton in your hand, and you're all alone, and you're supposed to go run a race. I mean, two very different and distinct pictures, right? 
Well, the first is this picture of the church where we're on this, this journey together. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and Hebrews 11 is referred to as the hall of faith. It just talked about all these different people who have come before and the amazing things they did, trusting in God, living out a life, trusting in him. These are followers of God. And then I guess this point here, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we're surrounded by all who have gone before us, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There, there is a team, a family, a communion of saints who've gone before us, encouraging us to throw off sin and to persevere, running with endurance. At times where you are feeling the most alone, just to begin to get yourself out of that mindset, remember that so many have gone before us who are surrounding you in heaven, uh, basically as they look down upon us, and they're cheering us on. Saying, you got this. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, this great uh, uh, picture of those who have gone before and who have followed God. Be encouraged by that. Some would hear all this. They'd say, okay, I can agree to those statements. I agree with the church. I agree with the communion of saints. But I I just, I I don't need it. I don't need those things. I, I just study the Bible on my own. I have the same great cloud you're talking about. I, I, I can build off of that myself, too. I don't need the church to live that out. Uh, have you ever run across someone like that? The, the ironic part is someone who would say, oh, I, I don't need the church. I'll just study on my own. It actually proves that they're not studying very well uh, at all because uh, as we unpack Scripture, we see this call to this community called the church, the bride of Christ. I know some of us, well, you know, depending on your past, depending on your experience, you say, we have a, here's all the different ways the church is messed up. You're probably right on most of those. It's kind of like a marriage. You ever have two people who, who really loved each other, but they just, man, they're always fighting and going through all these different issues, and then one of them has this idea, you know what, let's get married. That'll fix all our issues. <laughs> you ever seen that? How does it work out? It doesn't. It compounds them, if anything. It throws in a whole another set of issues. And then all of a sudden, they're still not resolvent and say, hey, you know what? I got a better idea. Let's have kids. <laughs> okay, so you have one sinner. You have another sinner who are having issues because of sin. And they're saying, hey, let's throw another sinner in the mix, right? <laughs> we also have a few more. And see, it doesn't work that way. And I got too far in my own analogy. I come back here and see where we're going. <laughs> Um, okay, so, so we're not designed to do this alone, but do it in relationship with others. But yes, it's messy. Yes, we need to, to trust in God. Um, there's all these different commands to, to live together. And man, I, I just totally lost myself there. Sorry, I need to reset for a minute. Um, to say, you know, I, I don't need the church. And they study and we come to this conclusion that uh, we, we really do need each other. And, and yes, it, it's built on Jesus. We got trust in him. And be forgiven in him, right? And when we go to him, that, that's where we're drawn together. And that's what resolves those sin issues, right? Just because we're, we're surrounded by others, you know, we got to trust first and foremost in Jesus. But then we need to draw others to that, encourage others towards Jesus. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. 
and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We get this call to stir up one another, this call to meet together with one another, this encouraging one another. If you're familiar with much of the New Testament, you begin to see there are so many of these one another statements. Uh, Pastor and speaker Andy Stanley says it this way, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. The primary activity of the church was the one, one anothering one another. Well, it was to live out these passages that call us, this is how we should treat one another. What's interesting is the Greek that translates to this, this one another, it's actually one word, lelon, and in the New Testament alone, there's about a hundred times it's used, and a third of them are, are this call to, to love one another. And sometimes it's tagged on, love, each, love one another and, and do this. But about a third of those statements is this call to love one another. We, we've heard John 13 before, uh, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, this is Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. But th- by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And again, I think the skeptic would say, well, I just got to love other people then, right? Which, th- there's truth to that. But the specific context that, that Jesus is talking about here is to his disciples. The one another he's describing is other disciples, other followers of Jesus, others within this beautiful thing called the church. He's saying, that's how people will know you're my followers, by the way you love and treat each other. But how can we live that way? How can we do that if we're not in community with one another? Another third of these uh, Lelon statements, these one another statements, uh, is a call to unity. Again, that seems very contrary to someone who would say, well, I don't need others. I'm just going to study on my own. I don't need the church. I'm going to study on my own. Oh, and I get it. Okay, this is where I was going. I finally made the connection there. About uh, We'd say, oh, the, the church is a mess, and, and these hypocrites. Yes, we, our, our lives are a mess, and that's why we need Jesus. We're not claiming to be perfect, but we're looking to the one who is, who grants us righteousness, who grants us perfection when we trust in him, Right? Right? And, and that's how, if you have, the, going back to the illustration of the, of the marriage, you have two coming together. When they trust in Jesus, that that can strengthen that marriage. And as they turn their focus towards Jesus, it can do a wonderful work in their marriage. When you're raising kids and you realize they have just as many issues as you do, and maybe you didn't see your issues before, but now you see them being reflected in your kids, like, wow, I, I am pretty messed up. Whenever we come to that realization, we can take hope and, and trust that, you know what, Jesus forgives us of that sin. And not only does he forgive us, but he moves us towards restoration. He moves us towards uh, being redeemed and made anew and having a new way about us, a new way that we would live that follows after him. And the church is the same thing. It's messy. I get it. we, We have sin, but we trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of that sin. And we do this together as a family as we move forward and becoming to look more like him. And so another third of these one another statements are this call to unity, to be united with one another, uh, uh, which you got to be with someone to be united to them, right? Uh, imagine you were to get married and then you go live separate places for the first 10 years. It'd be kind of hard to be united with one another, right? Because you're physically not in the same location. I had a chance to uh, be at a family reunion this past weekend. And, and here's what's so interesting about this. <clears throat> One way you could look at that picture is there were nine different families represented at this family reunion. Well, still, I thought it was a family reunion. I thought it was one family coming together. And it is. It was one family coming together. It was my mom, her sister, and her brother. And they came together. That's, that's one family. 
And it was their kids. That's one family. And their kids' kids. And that's, that's all one family. But you also have each of those three. My mom, her aunt, or my aunt, her sister, and my uncle, her brother. And each one of those represents their own family. And each one of them has two kids of their own. And each of those represents another family. And so in one sense, you could say this is nine families coming together for one big family reunion. And that's what I love about the word family. It has that, that, that broad picture. And what's so beautiful about it is that there's many, and that, that uniting point is that we're family. You ever just look around at your family sometimes, be like, hey, if we weren't family, I don't think we'd ever know each other. We run in different circles. We have different interests. My sister's even in the room, and I can say that. She know, I, I told us before. But I, I love my sister. I, I lay down my life for my sister. Because we're family. It unites us. It's like that with the church. We have this local church. We, we are Meadowland. We're this local church, this local expression. And we can have a family reunion when we come together with other churches and, and work together to make Jesus known in this community. And we can go even broader than that. We can go uh, nationwide and say that there's all these different churches who, who are partnering together. There's actually a, uh, an event we're going to be part of in, in January and February, uh, Chicago landwide. All these different churches are going to be uh, coming together, addressing the same questions that people have about God. And the same teaching series, and be, each one will be a little different in, in how they present it, um, but uniting together in, in approaching those questions. And we can do that because we're part of the family of God. We're united together. Some additional, additional one another's. So a third of them is this call to love one another. The, a third of them is this, this be united to one another. We get additional ones, you know, Galatians 5.13, serve one another. Serve one another. On one hand, I thought about, do I walk through a bunch of these one another statements and, and say, let's really unpack some of these and say, you know, on the application part of believing in the church and the communion of the saints, let, let's see how do we live out some of these one another's. And honestly, where I landed was, as I think of each of these things, people come to mind, faces come to mind of here, of how I see our church already living this out. And so I wanted you to have a glimpse into some of that. And I always, I always pull back a little bit in moments like this if I'm going to give someone recognition because I, I know there's so many others I could also recognize. I know there's so many others who are serving, who are, who, you know, so if we're looking at Galatians 5.13, the serve one another, there's so many different stories I could tell right now. And so just because I'm telling this one doesn't mean that the others are any less important or less significant. But I just want to give us a glimpse into some of these stories that come to mind. When I hear serve one another, I think of Pam Jones. If you know Pam, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Pam actually uh, has been leading our, our uh, uh, housekeeping team. They come once a week and they clean this place up and get it ready. Because, uh, I mean, think about it. Some of you say, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Have you ever been someplace that wasn't kept up? Any, any public location? You ever gone to a restaurant? And, and, you know, you kind of stick to the floors when you walk in. What was one of the first things you think? I'm not coming here again. Or maybe you think, I'm, I'm not even staying here, I'm going to leave. It depends on how bad it is. But just having a clean place to come says something to our guests and visitors and even those who call Meadowland home. It says, you care, or we care, you matter to us. We want to set up an environment that welcomes you in. And part of that means having a clean place. And so Pam and I were talking, she's actually going to be transitioning uh, uh, to having someone else lead that team for her because of some uh, uh, work changes and schedule changes for her. And so we're talking about what that looks like. And, and we realized she's been doing this for four years. Four years she's been leading this team and, and had different people on that team serving with her. And, and it's, a, it's a, an amazing thing. 
I cannot tell you how grateful I am for the way that she has served this church. It's even been a service to me personally. Just by cleaning and, and, and this housekeeping. It's one of those jobs that I think goes so unnoticed sometimes. It's like elevator music. If it's bad, you notice it. But if it's, if it's not, if it's good, you, you just, it's in this background noise. And having a clean place, sometimes we don't notice that until there's something out of place. But Pam and her team make sure they, they serve our, our, our body of believers here, our church, in the ways that they do that. So a side plug on that, if you, if you want to join in with Pam on her team, you got about a, a month uh, before she transitions into some other roles. Um, but uh, I would encourage you to, to, to thank her for all that she's done in serving us. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another. Submit to one another. We, we have a, a, a children's ministry team of leaders, and uh, a young Steve would have told an older Steve, don't set it up this way. This is not how you want to structure it. A young Steve would have said, you need one leader who's running the show, and then they got their team underneath them. And right now, we have a team of five volunteers who are running our children's ministry. Any one of these ladies is fully capable of fully running the ministry. But because of time constraints and, and different things, they're each volunteering in different capacities. And really what this picture we have is instead of you know, five leaders all trying to go five different directions, we, we have five uh, battleships in a fleet with one common purpose of running this children's ministry and been doing a phenomenal job. And each one of them... Uh, signs on for a three-year commitment. Some are in the midst of that. Some are, are ending that right now. Actually, Marianne Daly, if you know her, uh, hers is coming to an end at the end of August. And so uh, if you get a chance to thank her for all, all uh, you can thank all five of them. Um, but Marianne's is, is going to be coming to an end. We have a, a new someone kind of stepping into that role. We're still finalizing all that. Um, but these five ladies, so Marianne Daly, uh, Jamie Waycaser, uh, Val Close, Carmen uh, Rice, and then Sarah Erickson. Um, have been running this team, and they just volunteered their time. The five of them work together. And the reason I think about this, when I think about the submit to one another, is because each one is, is running a different piece of that ministry. And yet they move forward together in one common direction. Have you ever tried to uh, do a carpool or a caravan? We have five vehicles and you have different people in each vehicle, and you're trying to get to the same place at the same time. And the reason it's important is because sometimes you've got to stop for lunch, or you've got to stop for gas, or you, know, you want to be together in case something happens, or uh, you know, <clears throat> in case all of a sudden one of your kids opens a door uh, on the expressway going 75, and you need, you know, whatever. Maybe true story. Um, have you ever been in a caravan of five people? You know how hard it is to make sure you get the same spot at the same time because everyone has different directions or different thoughts or different ideas or different places they want to stop for lunch and different places, they, different times to get gas. But you submit to one another. You, you, you give others authority in your life. And you say, all right, you got the reins at this part. Okay, I'm going to pick it up at this part. And we have this team of these, these five ladies that do that so beautifully that it, it, it honors God and it blesses this church by the ways that they live that out. And so uh, if you've got little ones, uh, whether you realize it or not, your family has been blessed by, by the ministry of, of these five ladies and the team that they lead. Uh, you probably know them in one capacity because about half of our church volunteer on their teams uh, running our children's ministry. And so if, if you volunteer on their teams as well, thank you uh, so much for just uh, your service in that. So submit to one another. It's another one another. Encourage one another. Build one another up. 
1 Thessalonians 5.11. I, I love this. We, we have a mom's group that meets on Tuesday mornings, and it's taking on different capacities, and it's ever-changing to, to fit people's schedules and whatnot. And one of the things I love about the mom's group is there's actually some women, women in that group who don't even come to our church. They go to a different church, but uh, time-wise, this meeting works well for them. Uh, there's actually some who maybe used to go to church but have some things they're kind of working through, and, and there's space for them to come in and be welcomed and part of that community. And so this has been a meeting uh, off and on for the past couple years, and I've been seeing... This amazing growth in the lives of these ladies. As they gather together, Betsy Zarko's been leading that. She's had a couple other people on her team pick, picking up different uh, aspects, different mantles of leadership on that. But they've been encouraging and building each other up in the church, even though some come from different churches. Isn't that beautiful? Because they're united in Jesus. They're united in the Spirit of God. Hebrews 10, 24, we're called to stir up one another to love and good deeds. We're called to encourage one another. Uh, we have this family tree of churches I've mentioned in the past. Uh, basically, you know, you think about you know, who helped plant Meadowland. Uh, that was Northbridge Church. And who helped plant Northbridge? And that was uh, Faith and Grays Lake, which is now Torch of Faith. They've gone through some transitions. And uh, Northbridge also helped plant uh, New Hope Christian Community. And, and there's Casa de la Ración that's come out of there. There's Connection Church that's come out of there. We've planted Redemption Church. And if you don't know all these names, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to try to expose us to that more and more because, again, that's our family tree. If we were to do a, a family reunion of churches, that's who would be at the party. And we're united together, and, and we can stir up each other to love and to good deeds. And, and one of the ways that we're trying to do that in that commu- context, in that community, is we want to um, connect leaders with their counterparts. And so if you're leading a ministry, uh, we want to connect you with the counterparts of the other churches. And so when you have an issue, if you're running a tech team and, and you want to know all of a sudden, hey, I got a projector that's freaking out, real life story, I'll go figure. I got a projector that's freaking out, what, what do I do? It's out of my league. You have a network of other uh, tech guys and gals you can connect with uh, to resolve that issue. And it's just it's a beautiful picture, again, the family tree of churches, uh, loving one another and stirring each other on towards good deeds, encouraging one another. We see in Ephesians 4, is called to bear with one another. And Colossians 3 continues, builds off that bear with and forgive one another. James has a couple of things to say. He says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. I, I don't know a way that you could do that without being in relationship and context and community with someone else to be able to confess your sins to them and pray for them. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Philippians 2, 3. We actually unpack this a little bit in a future series. Um, and there's so many of these statements. And so if the church is one anothering one another, Andy Stanley also goes on to say that when everyone is sitting in rows, you can't do any one another's. And the point he's trying to make is that uh, uh, this thing called the church isn't just Sunday morning. Sunday morning is one aspect of that. It's this, this corporate gathering where we come together and we worship together and we hear the, the reading and teaching of God's word and we, we, we give back uh, through our offerings and all these other things that happen on a Sunday morning. But if, if your understanding of church is just Sunday morning, there's so much more. And I'm excited for you to come to see that and, and to learn and expand in that understanding that there's so much more. And it's all these one another's that I'm talking about. So much of what it means to be the church happens outside of Sunday. I mean, Sunday's a huge piece of that. But when we walk outside these doors, if we're the church inside these doors, guess what we are outside these doors? We're the church. If you're the church here in this building, what are you at home? What are you at work? What are you at school? What are you at the grocery store? What are you at, on the road when you get cut off? What are you when you're on vacation? What are you when you're wherever? We are still 
the church. To those not yet disciples of Jesus, there's room for you. There's always another seat at the table. There's always room for another one uh, to join into the family of God. Uh, um, and the church is so much more than just a religious institution. I think many of us, even those within the church, have baggage in, in, in ways we've been hurt by uh, the or- organized religion. And it makes sense because, we, we, you know, it's full of broken people, right? But when we understand the picture of what the church is called to be and what it means to be to believe these statements in the, the universal church, in the communion of saints, we begin to see that, man, we are a family with a purpose. We're united together. To those who are following Jesus, let's continue to encourage one another to move towards simple, move from simple agreement to belief in the church. Church is a family that can overcome loneliness when we live together as a family seeking to know one another and be known by one another. One way we can do that is simply in conversation, building relationship. That's why we do somewhere under the tent. That's why we encourage you to take this stuff offline, outside of Sunday morning, into your homes. I would encourage you and challenge you. Bring someone into your home in the coming weeks and spend time getting to know them and build those relationships. Meet someone from another church. Maybe another coworker who, who you know is a follower of Christ. Connect with them because we are united as the church. Let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing here in this church. There's so many other stories that we could tell, people who are serving one another, loving one another, uh, and just caring for one another. And Father, my heart breaks for those who would say, I don't need the church. I, I can just follow God on my own. I pray that uh, if we have some of those in our, in our community, in our midst, Father God, who would be close enough to come connect in at Meadowland, I pray that you would give us influence in their life to lovingly invite them in that they could experience what it means to be part of the family of God uh, in this expression of, of the local body. And I thank you that we're connected to this communion of saints, that it goes beyond our location, beyond our time, beyond our boundaries. But this beautiful thing called the bride of Christ, the church, is something you started and charged with the task of making much of the name of Jesus as we go make disciples, baptize, and teach. Father, I pray that Meadowland would be a place that's like a family reunion. Different families coming together, different individuals coming together, trusting in you, Father God, united in you. And that would be welcoming and inviting of others. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who's struggling with loneliness, I pray that you would put someone in their path today, this morning even, who would notice that and see something and just want to engage and just show genuine love. I just want to know who they are, what their story is, and how we can walk together, how we can cheer each other on as we press on, as we throw off the sin that can so easily entangle us we run this journey with perseverance we fix our eyes on you Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before you endured the cross, scoring its shame and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God thank you for this family that we're a part of when we trust in you pray us all in your name